Antipetekainen was the founding executive director of the Network for Religious and Traditional Peacemakers. Previously, he led Finn Church Aid, the world's leading expert in education for emergencies and local peace work. He has also been the Conflict Transformation Director of Religions for Peace, an advisor to the Finnish president. The Prime Minister of Finland appointed him as special envoy in the migration crisis. While at CTI, Pentekainen is writing a book about his practical experiences in peacebuilding and reconciliation in Somalia, South Sudan, and Libya. He's recently set up the Global Network for Religious and Traditional Peacemakers, and in that role has been assessing how reconciliation processes can achieve more transformative impact. He's especially interested in community-based approaches which have been dismissed by state actors. He has assisted the government of Finland to launch a truth and reconciliation process with the indigenous Sami people in Finland. These findings aim to help the world community develop transformative reconciliation processes. And I had the great privilege to speak with Auntie about his work on enabling transformative reconciliation. Auntie, can you tell me a bit about your own bio and how you got interested in this whole question of peace building and, and religion and violence? Well, when I was in student politics, I think it was more or less coincidence that ended up being in, in, in the um, in those circles. Um, we had still the aftermath of the of the um, falling of the uh, Iron Curtain in Europe, and students were rallying for democracy, open society, and and and, and in principle, student students' rights. So I became involved in training and helping the the Balkan student movements, mainly the Serbian and Kosovo students at my time, because the Bosnia-Kosovo war had already been there. Um, and that led me into a situation where I was able to connect with our former president, Mati Ahtisari. Um, fortunately, he, he wanted later on that I join his, his work. And, and uh, so I, I had three to four years, very intensive work with him on multiple of peace programs. Uh, our, collaboration continued afterwards as well but uh, that was kind of the coincidence that led me into this I had studied theology before and, and mm. I had totally different plans and how did you start out just getting interested in this topic itself and how did you get into theology well it's peculiar but um, it almost seems certain that in my family there has been pastors since 1270 Mm. So 1270. In Finland, in Europe? No, all around Europe. So the, actually the first uh, priest that we can identify was a Jewish convert that became a monk and then left the monastery and was a priest in the Catholic Church, but had also a family. So so the theology was something very natural, something that I felt calling, calling to. Um, I think the interest and conflict was my curiosity on, on why people are evil. Why, why they do evil things. I had this bit like childish view that if you understand the reasons and you engage with them, you could help people to change. You could help them to do something better. Huh. And I realized that's also something that led me into peace mediation and especially in peace mediation that is quite peculiar area of negotiation with extremists. I guess one of those interesting stories was when, um, so when we, when we engage with these tribal leaders, um, you basically have to go into their territory <laughs> and with their terms. So we, we had to do a lot of preparatory work um, 
looking into whether these guys are going to kill us or whether they see a need for negotiations. So oh, most of the time we, we were able to be quite certain that if we go and see these individuals, they were, our, were their best choice to get out. So they want to look after our safety and basically that gave us guarantees. But you can't 100% judge that in every case. And there was a particular case where um, actually my my colleagues advised me not not to go or not to see this person. Uh, we thought, and, and for good reasons, that he, he didn't agree with peace negotiations and that he could actually be someone who could have actually attacked us physically or even killed us. Um, but because of the significance of the process, I had reasonable you know, expectations for this engagement. And, and so, I still went and, and um, I remember when we were talking with him, I, I challenged his, some of his religious thinking. And for a moment I thought, you know, this went too far. His religious thinking, his, yeah. his theology and his ideas. Yeah, yeah so I, I asked him that, you know, if, if, if you believe that people have to follow God's rules and God's thinking, uh, don't you see that it's sometimes a struggle that we make mistakes and when we make mistakes you have to guide people to the right path you shouldn't just kill them <laughs> and 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 isn't this part of finding what god really wants us to to do and and then he looked a bit puzzled and said i never thought about it <laughs> i don't know if that's true or not but um but instead of getting killed we got pretty close uh in terms of understanding uh and and having dialogue and, and actually that ended up in to being one of the fruitful engagements so was that the end of the conversation or did he did, did where did it go from there it was the beginning of a long-term uh dialogue mm -hmm. i mean not partnership but in engagement where uh, i was able to convey messages to him and 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 and, and hear from him back so yeah, it was a little bit scary moment. <laughs> For a moment, I thought I, I went too far. <laughs> so in your experiences over the last few years, have you come to any conclusions about what leads people to violence and how that can be related to, to religion and theology? Yeah, and, and interestingly, a lot of the conflicts, you follow a similar pattern. Um, uh, I Also, when, when the Srebrenica massacre had happened in, in Bosnia, I had this, you know, urge to go and and talk to the people, the survivors and the perse persecutors, and 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 try to understand how could that be possible? How how in Europe, in the middle of nineties, six or seven thousand can be killed just in a couple of days? How 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 is it possible? So, so in my quite simple uh, assessment, I identified this pattern where a situation where there is a big polarization between groups there is really deep group conscious um, and there is a lot of perceived grievances a lot of narrative what the other has done wrong uh, whether it's true or not and perceived grievances meaning that this other side is pushing an agenda on our coast and then if you have what I called like high priest of mistrust someone who wants to exploit the situation and gain more power and, and, and status and money or something to the situation it leads very easily to conflict. And how that pattern then continues is that there is this very strong notion of victimhood, that the other side is causing this pain that you're feeling and you are in the middle of fighting for your survival. Mm. And that fighting for survival gives a lot of purpose. 
adrenaline uh, makes you do things you wouldn't otherwise do, which may, makes you feel important. So in this cycle of, of violence, uh, extreme violence, physical violence can erupt. But actually, when you look into conflicts in working places, even in families and among, among friends, you can see the same pattern. That if, if you are not able to really genuinely listen and see the other as a human being and share your stories, the violence is very likely going to get worse. Religion obviously is a dividing factor in the identity markers. So it is we're, what we see today, there are much more identity-based conflicts. The whole peace mediation, peace building architecture is built on different kinds of conflicts like state parties and, and parties that can come into table and negotiate about the outcomes. It's much more harder to discuss identity-based conflicts and how do you resolve them because there is this deep division in the worldview. And if that's been driven by perceived grievances, um, um, it requires a lot of lot of effort. So tell me a bit about the project you're working on while you're here at CTI. Well, being at the CTI is like a dream come true. I um, I am one of those practitioners that have been always thinking, you know, I should give this a thought and I wish I would have more time to prepare. I reflect on lessons learned and here I am. So it's a huge gift. And um, I'm writing a book about our past experiences, our past work, uh, uh, mostly in the, in the past 10, 12 years. Um, I completed my first article about the Finnish indigenous people, Sami, and how the state of Finland is preparing a reconciliation process with them. And I'm now writing uh, an article about the, the Somali work tribal negotiations and, and negotiations with Al-Shabaab, um, hopefully providing some lessons learned. And I think we're looking forward with an intention of providing advices for the practitioners and also United Nations on how can you achieve more sustainable reconciliation. Reconciliation is a quite general possible or religious term, but to me it means an opportunity actually illustrates the power of human mind the change of from being enemies, some entities that work together towards common future. And reconciliation is really the missing piece in the current peace building architecture. And hopefully my, my, my wish is that my research could contribute into finding some more practical and feasible ways of advancing reconciliation and they would be of interest to you. And so, so possibly out of all of this comes uh, new alliances, new actors coming together in terms of supporting reconciliation in the future. Thanks, Auntie. It's been great to talk to you about this and looking forward to talking more throughout this semester. Thanks, Josh. And it's great to be at the CTI. Wonderful place. Thanks. To learn more about CTI, visit our website at ctinquiry.org and follow our pages on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave us a review.